Okay, thank you again, Peter, for doing this. And the mic is all yours. Away we go. Our NFT's dead. And the way the other way that I like to think about this presentation and our visit is the fact that um, this presentation could also be known as why you will be NFT before long, whether you know it or not. And there's this particular emphasis on this that reflects my interest, my passion around being involved with and supporting credo, uh, crypto native artists. So we're going to take a look at some of them and their practices because they're, you know, wickedly creative, smart technologists that I believe are leading the way to a, a very wildly promising, inclusive and creative future that will be reflected not only in their practice, but amongst practices across all of industry. So a little bit about me. I have a background of sales and executive leadership, primarily in software organizations, built high-performing, mission-driven organizations that um, in the software and technology industry. I also then have an additional 10 years of consulting and entrepreneurship. I serve on um, three community nonprofits, two of which are involved in education. Married, father of three younger girls, live in the North, uh, United States Pacific Northwest. And I have a, my, I think my two biggest passions are, besides what we're talking about, uh, snowboarding. And then I have a real uh, love and practice and habits of personal growth. So, uh, you know, a couple examples here are that I go in uh, our Puget Sound every day and I do an immersive dip. I began minting those in NF as NFTs, I think about 14, 15 days ago. Um, I regularly fast, I do all sorts of things. And in the lower right, what you see is um, a haiku. And I have our girls write a brain learning growth mindset haiku every day. And um, they've been doing it for 1,082 days in a row. And that practice will be relevant as it relates to one of my predictions on our uh, topic of conversation today. How I thought to structure our time is um, introductions. Of course, we need to do a disclaimer. You've learned a little bit about me already, and I apologize in advance without knowing, although maybe the introductions will guide where we spend more time, less time, kind of crypto one, including uh, NFT technologies. Take a look at uh, some artist case studies and evidence of, like I say, what is, I think, believe a really interesting future. Why and how you might soon be NFT without even knowing it. I got some predictions. Uh, and then if we have any time left and anybody has any interest, you know, I'd be happy to uh, consider a creative brainstorm of how we tokenize Decaf Quest and create a, uh, a community and a NFT collection around his practice. So let's, can we just, uh, with the intimate audience the, that we have, I don't know what you don't know on a, um, so I want to spend a couple minutes just like, what do you know? What's your experience? Certainly one of the uh, objectives that I have for our time is, is you can appreciate to the degree that the, we can make this as interactive and participatory learning challenge as uh, best as possible. Because really my aspiration is really for uh, all of us to learn, for us to think, 
and ideally take some type of action as a result of what we all discover here together. So with that said, um, can we go quickly around the room? I want to uh, uh, perhaps a uh, toaster boys. I know you uh, are that you have some crypto. Does anybody else have any crypto? Nice. And we might have 0 0.000 something laying around somewhere still, but first, but I might have You've got else. something somewhere. <laughs> I, I used to have a, have a little bit. I think I saw most of it. I maybe still have some left. Not really very okay. much. Very good. How about uh, an NFT? Does anybody have an uh, NFT or bought an NFT in the past? Yeah. So I um I have quite a I had I had quite a lot of crypto. I actually sold most of it at the top. Um, I predicted the downfall a little bit, so uh, I, I liquidated there. But then I've been I've been slowly stockpiling now that ETH is pretty low. So, um, but then yeah, NFTs. Um, I bought a few that did pretty well market wise and then i own a, co a couple currently that allow me access to um a couple different communities and things like that so awesome all right so you're pretty familiar with um nfts then yeah very good all right uh, none of this of course is financial advice although i certainly consider it highly relevant important critical cultural advice um, so, right, do your own research, do your own thinking. Um, and here's what I believe. Uh, I believe that we're entering the biggest, most interesting period of technological change in our history. In fact, before we, before you all joined, I was talking to Mahmoud and living in the Seattle area. I've been around to see Microsoft's rise and I've been, I've been here to see Amazon's rise. And the, the analog that I'll, I'll make very frequently to what I consider normie friends that are not thinking about this or not involved in any way is that I believe uh, crypto and NFT technology is going to make Microsoft and Amazon look relatively like child's play. Um, that I see early evidence of a creator, and this is certainly one of the things that I'm, what um, the love that I have for this space is the fact that it's a creative economy and a creator economy that has the potential of including absolutely anyone and everyone with access to, right, a network, a device, anyone can participate and create and do so directly without relying on supposedly trusted third parties. I also happen to believe our, our, our future is tokenized and we'll talk through some facts about that I think help reinforce that. How I got here. Um, eight years ago, I had to give a Christmas gift to a relative. And I thought, you know, what do you get somebody who doesn't really need anything? Um, and so I started to brainstorm. I thought, well, gosh, he, uh, this is my father-in-law. He likes coins and he's kind of a gold bug, which by the way, I don't have a slide in here on gold, but we could spend a, a good portion of our time on gold as a store of value and in a historical unit of exchange. So I, I brainstorm, I thought, ah, I know what I'll do. I'll give him a Bitcoin. 
So I gave him a Bitcoin. And as soon as I got him a Bitcoin, I thought, well, heck, I might as well get us started. And so I started and I'm like, okay. And once you start, man, you start uh, down what is the proverbial rabbit hole, you, uh, questioning, exploring current state, start discovering, learning the potential of blockchain. You start thinking about a peer-to-peer -peer exchange and my conviction uh, has only grown, and I don't know that I would necessarily call myself a, uh, I guess I perhaps am what we might consider a maxi. Like I am all in on this. I believe in it for all the good. I'm very cognizant of all the bad that we can talk about. And then two years ago, I took a, a, a class in uh, decentralized finance and took it and I got it. And I understood it conceptually. It didn't necessarily resonate or interest in me. So what I, I did leave that class. I thought, well, gosh, I want to do something more. I want to be more involved. I want to experience more of this and learn more. So I turned uh, to OpenSea. And I started looking at NFTs. And I decided to get involved with NFTs, which is what has led me here today. So here's a, man, here's a, uh, couple of questions that I speak that I think speak to the importance of this the NFT technology and and crypto and I, I use these questions frequently with uh, friends and, and obviously one of them I think is rhetorical if that's the right use of rhetorical is our future more digital or less digital Anybody, anybody think less? All right, it's easy question. Um, in that case, uh, I'd love to perhaps hear you, your thoughts on whether if it is more digital, whether it should be more centralized or decentralized. Or if, why does it matter? It looks like DCAF says that it's going to be more, they say less, less. That's digital, more centralized, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, Stir the pot. Yeah, I say you're right in the chat. It's coming out, right? Um, um, for me, what do I reckon? More digital. I well, I'm probably I've I've fallen down your rabbit hole, Pete, haven't I? So I'm a I'll, I'll be a passive observer, but I see this grand expanding web stretching throughout our eternal existence, reaching to the far corners of humanity, and yeah, so and then we'll splinter to the winds. That's my that's my view. Yeah, I think I think the future will be more digital, but like less obviously digital. Like 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 you, it'll be more augmented reality. So like, um, so I think that probably speaks to what uh, Mahmoud is saying. With less digital, it's like okay, less obviously digital. It's like it's it's the analog world digitized um but i do i i gotta say i think the future is probably more centralized as governments get bigger and bigger they're gonna crack down and they're gonna force people to go centralized um <laughs> i mean people will want to go decentralized because you know i think that's a better future but i don't know as far as what reality actually looks like yeah it'll be interesting 
So you think uh, so a couple things to unpack that, which is one, government gets bigger and bigger in spite of what we see as evidence from a populace that is growing and resistance to that. I think, you know, the other thing that you might appreciate, right, is this is this is all sensorless open source software and projects. So even if you wanted to crack down on it, I mean, uh, how might, how do you, how do you envision that plan? And by the way, I'm certainly cognizant uh, that, right, regulatory frameworks are very helpful. I mean, there's really some interesting things being done around the world, right, between Germany as an example, right? El Salvador, as an example. And I think the other, one other aspect is the fact that you've got, right in the US, I think our debt right now is 130% of GDP, right? So you have fiat systems that are at, at risk of collapse and in search of potential another alternative. Yeah, yeah, maybe I could see if the dollar collapsed then you know they they wouldn't really have any way to enforce people to you know use you know the US dollar um but yeah i think it is more the regulatory stuff um that i think could get a little interesting obviously yes underground and and stuff you can obviously always do you know decentralized you know crypto transactions and stuff like that but as far as interacting with um you know the real world. I don't really know if the, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, that's, that's, that's my, that's my thing. There might be, there might be some resistance, I would say. I mean, it's in the government's best interest to not be decentralized. So. I agree. No, that's right. But, uh, but I think that speaks to the worst of potential centralization, which is power. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Then, yeah. Right. There's many aspects of, you know, centralization. The, there's a ton of utility need mm-hmm. value. Um, uh, we've talked a little bit about why it might matter. Uh, now we're going to go through quickly some terminology, right? Blockchain, which is a little bit of what we were just talking about, right? It's a transparent, transparent, open source, distributed ledger of transactions. You can think of it as a spreadsheet or a database that sits on the internet that any of us can go look, review. Um, crypto is most frequently associated with obviously digital currency created using algorithms. Bitcoin was created in 2009 in response to the uh, financial crisis. Um, and originally is open source peer to peer money. And it was created by a pseudonymous person group, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto and Ethereum then was, uh, was kind of the brainchild of Vitalik Buterin who created it in 2015 with a desire to take P2P money in a fixed limited kind of 20, but there'll only ever be 21 million Bitcoin, right? So then in Ethereum, what he viewed as a much more expansive cryptography pro, uh, protocol that allows for a lot more creation and um, less fixed technology that was basically a smart contract platform right so there's a it's programmed on an if then when you do this that happens within the within the program i think this is also i don't know how many people have thought about this familiar perhaps seen this but we've gone 
through over the last 20 plus years, well, close to 25 years, I guess, uh, you know, versions of, of the web, right? Web one was read, write, effectively email. And web two, we've had this amazing uh, unleashing of being able to publish, like, consume, interact, primarily around now what have you know, become centralized organizations between Amazon, Facebook, Google as examples. And Web3 becomes uh, much more of a decentralized protocol that allows for ownership, creating, participating. I, I can't tell you how much it means to see Toaster Boy here today because to, I, I don't, we've never met, right? And this is, uh, you know, and yet I know him. And I'm like, man, if Toaster Boy was right, Toaster Boys was right somewhere, I'd be like, oh, let me come, I wanna go. Because uh, we see each other on Twitter every day. You know, yeah. wish you, I wake up as a habit-driven guy. I go to Twitter account. There's three Twitter accounts I go to every day. And I say, GM to Toaster Boys. If it's not there, I'm like, ah, oh, dang, I'll be back. Um, so it's really a fascinating when you consider the fact that there is a coordination mechanism that exists thanks to a uh, you know, a cryptography project. That's how we know each other. I've seen them in Discords and Twitter. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I'm always waiting for my GMP, and uh, I think, yeah, we've we've wandered around in some interesting places, haven't we? And I think that's that, right. Yeah, exactly. The, the way those communities just get built is a wonderful thing to see. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll leave you. Uh, keep on with no, your it's fascinating to consider how. Uh, in real life or IRL, it has felt. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. That's that's exactly what it is. You know, I just said to my partner, "Nice oh, I'm gonna go and see like Pete do a thing," and she goes, "Oh, I know Pete. He's the one who swims, right?" Yeah, but yeah, Pete, I like Pete. So, you know, so even part of my IRL versus digital identity just gets carried through because it's just a it's it's a it's, it's a strong culture. And it's a strong identity that people have built within that, I think. Um, yeah. That's as know. real as any other one that they represent themselves with. Particularly after um, the pandemic and everyone becoming more isolated and digitized in that time, I think it seems to have been the perfect confluence of things that came together as a result of that. And everyone could just yep. build yeah. digitally from the ground up, right? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. All right, and then fungible token, right? So it's identical value, interchangeable in exchange. It could be like, you know, in obviously US dollar or a, your, your fiat, whatever fiat you're in, one Ethereum is similar to one Ethereum. And then when you begin to think about non-fungible tokens, right? It's a unique asset provenanced by code. To this point, and I think, you know, uh, it's close to perhaps eight years, roughly, since the creation, I believe, of the first NFT. I think there's some debate about when it was really, an NFT was first created. I think the, the, the most popular um, known NFT collection was launched in 2017 by, uh, called CryptoPunks. 10,000 similar yet very unique pixelated cool crypto punks 
And at the time you could have claimed them for free. Today, CryptoPunks are, you know, they sell for a fair amount of money, but those are, those are considered PFPs, right? So it's a, it's some type of digital representation of an animal, a character that people use as their a profile picture and then crypto art, which is where we're going to, where I'll spend and I've devoted a fair amount of time in to um, kind of put the context around what interests me even more than PFP projects. Although PFP again is a, is an interesting, you know, it's a, a coordinating mechanism for people to associate um, and build community around. Allow uh, me this. So what is NFT technology, right? It's an asset that is tokenized on a blockchain, proven in code. It's unique cryptographic token, tradable, exchangeable for money, cryptocurrencies, other NFTs. One way I potentially envision the future going is that we would go all the way back in time that we might actually be able to uh, live in, uh, and there will be a barter economy that is driven on NFTs. The benefits. So, so what, right? Like, so you can take something. I take my pictures every morning of me dipping in the sound and I now mint an NFT. Um, you know, kind of, so what? But really uh, solves, an NFT technology solves uh, real world problems of provenance in every aspect of business from Parmesan cheese, to wine, to art, anything that uh, can be potentially tokenized to prove that this is what it appears to be, rather than a forgery, you know, olive oil that has been created, that is labeled in a different way than what it actually is. Creates obviously friction frictionless exchange efficiency settling immediately while removing intermediaries so any of us can do business directly with each other and we can know that what we are acquiring is exactly what we thought it would be um in the future it, well it can identify identity and any rights right tickets ownerships property and uh it's a technology that is enabling a creator economy, um, rewarding creators and, participate, uh, and participants in perpetuity. And this is important. And this is, um, with NFTs, there are royalties that are associated with this, with an NFT. So, right, when you create, when I create a, a GM dipping picture every morning, if somebody was to go out and buy it, and then they resold it. Um, I have a royalty associated with that at five percent, right? So as the collection grows and it's more people come in, there is a circular economy that incents and rewards not only the originator artists, but also the community members, right? To make it more valuable and interesting. Oh, did I go back? A um, couple ways that, uh, that to think about this, and um, I'm, I'm borrowing here from uh, a Twitter account at, 
Punk 6529, for those of you that aren't familiar, Punk 6529 is uh, prolific on Twitter, technologist, big brain. I'd consider him an interesting philosopher. And the way uh, I listened to a podcast, and he said, there, you know, really a couple mental models on how to think about NFT technologies is that NFTs are purely a transportation, financial transportational platform, which owners can exchange intangible assets. So that's one, that, that is one thing. It's an, it's, it's a new internet that goes directly where we can trade anything between peers of anything that could be tokenized. And then most of the world is actually non-fungible. Everything besides securities, cash, could be tokenized that unlocks network effects. I think of uh, NFTs and quotations here as either art or a PFP picture. I think of them as similar to logos and iconography that fans support traditionally and historically. There are a few key differences. Um, both of them and all of them require precious time, resource, money, attention. Both create memories. And the way that I think about this is crypto arts, PFPs offer lifetime ownership relationships with and from creators that are natively familiar with community. So while I have, you know, living in Seattle, right, I've got a lot of friends that are fans of local sports teams, and I choose to be a fan of NFTs that I feel a greater sense of belonging to because of the fact that there are relationships, number one, Toaster Boys is an example, around an artist or around a creation that are passionate about what it is. Um, and, I, and, and there's a level of ownership that's also there. So now, take it, as we, we're going to transition to um, the creator economy and some examples of artists, and just quickly, because right, you can uh, write music's going to be tokenized, publishing's going to be tokenized, poems, every aspect of creation is going to be tokenized. What's leading the charge today in crypto is art. Um, Although everything at now is starting to move and catch up, and I and I, um, so as a business, we just take a look. First of all, at kind of the economics of the of the art business, right? It's a one point seven trillion dollar asset class. For some context, for those of you that are aware not, uh, unaware of gold, right? Gold is an eleven trillion dollar asset class. Um, Sixty billion dollars of annual sales and in, in, in physical art. And what, you know, um, any thoughts as to kind of why that asset class is as large with as much annual sales every year? Anybody have any responses or?
You mean why is physical art so heavy hitting? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Tax purposes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, interesting question. Money laundering. Money laundering. Also, store value, right? Art has, uh, um, uh, art has traditionally outperformed other asset classes. So if you can get a Picasso, if you can, it's not unlike buying a sports team in the United States today. You can buy, if you're rich enough to buy a sports team in the United States, you're going to make money on in outpace performance. Uh, so it's a, it's a big business, an asset class where people associate uh, not only perhaps obviously some vanity, the fact that Mahmoud owns uh, Damien Hurst, um, but the fact that it's a it's a proven over time to be a decent store of value that outpaces inflation and other asset classes traditionally. Today, crypto art is minuscule compared to the physical art world. Um, and it's right, it's, it's a $2 billion uh, market. And yet, uh, right, there's um, some of what we've talked about here in the, in the creative economy. I wanna spend a minute on this now, because this is important. How do I do this, Mahmoud, am I? Uh, what are you trying to? Uh, I wanna show a quick video. Uh, yeah. No, it's it's not copyrighted. Sorry, I'm gonna turn it into an NFT and then make money. At a boy. All right, can you see? <laughs> is everybody is everybody seeing the screen? Yes. Yeah. Don Tapscott. number of creators of content who don't receive fair compensation because the system for intellectual property is broken it was broken by the first era of the internet take music musicians are left with crumbs at the end of the whole food chain you know if you're a, a songwriter 25 years ago you wrote a, a hit song it got a million singles you could get royalties of around $45,000. Today, you're a songwriter, you write a hit song, it gets a million screams, you don't get 45K, you get $36, enough to buy a nice pizza. So Imogen Heap, the Grammy-winning singer-songwriter, is now putting music on a blockchain ecosystem. She calls it mycelium. And the music has a smart contract surrounding it. And the music protects her intellectual property rights. You want to listen to the song, it's free. Or maybe it's a few microcents flow into a digital account. You want to put the song in your movie, that's different. And the IP rights are all specified. You want to make a ringtone, that's different. 
she describes that the song becomes a business. It's out there on this platform, marketing itself, protecting the rights of the author. And because the song is a payment system, in a sense, a bank account, all the money flows back to the artist and they control the industry rather than these powerful intermediaries. Now, this is... This is not just songwriters, it's any creator of content, like art, um, like uh, inventions, scientific discoveries, journalists. There are all kinds of people who don't get fair compensation. And with blockchains, they're going to be able to make it rain on the blockchain. And that's a wonderful thing. So now uh, we're going to turn attention to, like I said, some wickedly, man, uh, wickedly smart, creative technologists and artists. Can the reason, again, but, big pardon? Can I do one question in between? Please. Just a clarification thingy. When you say tokenize, that basically means that you in some way put a record on some kind of blockchain, right? Correct. Yeah, so it's just like you you have a some kind of creation and you some like kind of code belongs to it that is put on the blockchain and that's then forever registered in there. That's right. You hit on a key point there, which is for you know forever. Yeah. 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 Right. Any 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 creation of content. It becomes, I mean, I think that one of the things that really interests me and, and, um, and I've alluded to it, which is, right, Parmesan cheese, olive oil, wine are physical objects. Mm -hmm. So there are, there are companies that are now working within those industries to help them create NFTs that follow from production to delivery proving the provenance of that object, which then creates, again, another whole kind of creative, interesting experience because besides the physical product that you might have, if I, if I go to resell it, now I'm transferring potentially the NFT and the physical product, but it again creates a community of customers, right? It's, and you could take the NFT that might include some artwork that you couldn't have gotten from anywhere else associated with the cheese, wine, olive oil. And it would still have value even in absence of the physical product. Yeah, 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 makes sense, makes sense, thanks. And by the way, then when you have, if you're the, if I'm the producer of that Parmesan cheese as an example, now I have a direct relationship with my customers that I can do all sorts of interesting things with in terms of perhaps creating a game or reward, you know. Um, so it's, 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 and we'll in fact get to a couple uh, of examples where we're talking about where there are big companies that are doing things related that, yeah. And then the, the big perk of all this for like a Parmesan cheese producer would be like this immutability of the of the blockchain, which then proves that it is really Parmesan cheese and not like some some fake cheese coming from like I don't know. Yep. Somewhere else. Yeah. So why visual art, and why are we going to spend some time on visual uh, creative 
crypto visual artists is because the fact that they're just smart, the creative technologists and artists that are pioneering, uh, the earliest pioneers now for, you know, close to, in some cases, up to 10 years have been producing art, having no success, that are now just beginning to see the light of the day in the big way. And I consider them the earliest pioneers forged in the future. Um, while art as an NFT may or may not appeal to you, I believe some of the practices and patterns that they're putting into place and discovering are gonna be replicated by big companies. I mean, it's fascinating to consider. So uh, they're also obviously native and in many cases creating electronic art within the very medium that we're here talking about. Um, why might also visual art matter? We've already talked a little bit about it, but you know, the, our future in the next five years, uh, right? This phone, which is today LED based, is likely to have micro LEDs, which with nothing else alone is gonna create um, a far different mind kind of blowing expansive possibilities. But then when you potentially combine it with, you know, the inputs of VR and AR from, you know, very simple glasses rather than big goggles, now you've got another effect. And what it begins to unlock and unleash are some really very interesting, uh, you, you've heard about the metaverse, but some very interesting, expansive visual experiences. And my high conviction is our future is going to be much more visual in, in perception rather than our past. And I think most of our past, particularly as it relates to creative art, has primarily come audio. Right, big uh, or for myself. I'm a big consumer of music. Then I have spent more of my, much more of my life listening to, consuming, supporting, buying music. Which, by the way, I can't play on my iPhone now because Apple doesn't trust me to prove that I actually own all the music. So I have to rent. That's silly. Um. So I get a little fired up about that topic. I spent a lot of time, a lot of money. I got so much good music I don't even have access to unless I want to play it from my uh, MacBook. Um, but so we then pivot into a future that is going to be much more visual. And a lot of that visual, by the way, will have some auditory with it. And the fact that it's in a visual future and there are objects in that future that you participate with, you own. Yeah, you know, to me is, um, that's why visual art, visual, and I write visual because uh, crypto art matters. So I want to turn to some interesting examples as it relates to both artists, artists, their practices, some of what they've discovered along the way. By the way, another reason why artists appeal to me is because, um, I consider us all artists, whether we know it or not, whether we're practicing or not. And it's just that their journey is more obvious and tangible because we get, I get to observe it and follow it and read about it. Um, so Kath Sennard um, in 2017 took this photo that, uh, has anybody seen this photo before besides Toaster Boys? No, all right. So she took this photo on Oahu, she shared it on Instagram Right, it went viral. 
it's easily it's easily found on Google, you know, basic Google searches. Um, as a professional travel photographer, she wasn't getting any credit, much less, uh, you know, no licensing that she deserved. So in 2021, she thought to mint that same photo as an NFT. Now this is interesting, right? Because the photo is already out in the wild. And this goes to a premise of kind of what a, a frequent common objection of NFTs is. It's like, well, how can something that's already out there that any of us could have accessed and saved for ourselves have value as an NFT? Because it was, uh, there was trusted provenance and no, it was known that she was the photographer and she was putting the original photography and creating as an NFT. Uh, any Anybody want to hazard a guess as to what the photo sold for? Ah, shucks. There it is. Right? Really um, fascinating. At least to me. And uh, what she says today is, you know, this is this is now providing her with a new way of making a living off her art. And that she's obviously having more success than she has or ever has had in trying to get licensing for her images. Um, next up, uh, a gentleman by the name of Eric Calderon, uh, who's also known as Snowfro. Uh, he used to be, and he might still be, the president of a family business, like Nova Tile Importers. In fall of 2021, he launched uh, what is generally known and associated in NFT circles. You know, it is uh, a top collection of, of chromy squiggles, 10,000, uh, well, there's, excuse me, 9,734 chromy squiggles that all have different uh, you know, different attributes to them. They all look similar, different. Um, and in minting that project along with two other artists at close to the same time, what Eric thought to do was take what he had learned and built as a generative art platform and make it available to others. So if any of you were a generative art you can now use and go to art blocks to use their tools to create generative art collections. I want to spend a quick minute. Has anybody seen a, Mahmoud, have you seen a chromy squiggle before? Jordan? Any? Loading. There it goes. Sorry, I'm apparently challenged with bandwidth right now. This is not doing justice to a chromy squiggle, which the colors move along the squiggle. So I'm gonna 
um, Beeple that you might be familiar with, another artist, created art for 5,000 days in a row, ended up creating a collage, tokenized it, called Every Days. It was sold uh, at Christie's. Uh, he's opening a digital art museum in Charlotte, North Carolina. Excuse me, Charlotte, Charleston, South Carolina. Although I do want, uh, want to show this. It's not a Madonna video, is it, Pete? There you go. <laughs> and everybody can see Human One. Yeah. Right. So again, this and this goes back to kind of where we were talking about, like digital NFT meeting physical product. Um, in this case, it's a it's a Human One encased in a box at Christie's that I visited and the intent of and the design of this NFT is that the person walking through uh, will change relative to what's going on. So it has since for a period of time been in uh, Ukraine, uh, uh, was in Ukraine colors. Matt Kane is um, involved for the jump in, in uh, critical because of the fact that he was he has been central to fighting for secondary royalties for artists. So the first artwork for greater than hundred NFT artwork for greater than hundred thousand dollars in September twenty, and has gone on to create gazers to thousand similar, yet uh, you highly unique program of nfts programmed to reflect lunar cycles forever uh x copy uh this one is uh, i want to spend a minute on x copy as well fascinating in the sense that last year x copy x copy i believe is up to close to 72 million dollars in art sales um, and last year, ironically, declare, declared all of his work uh, CC0, which is basically all creative, you know, creative common rights have been removed. So any of us can do anything we want to with X copy work, which makes, a, I think, an instructional example of kind of why this is interesting, because of the fact that, again, it goes back to the provenance that what if we copied the work, it's not X copy work. Um, or it can't be, it won't be valued or sold as X copy work. All right, so I want to begin transition as we come down the final stretch. In the near future, we won't type, just like we don't type, you know, HTTPS or a TCP IP address to get to a website. Like the applications of NFT technology will be ubiquitous, seamless. And uh, many of the terms that we're talking about today will, will disappear. I think uh, very soon, in fact, for me already with one of the uh, companies that, that I'm a customer of, brands you use will be using digital collectibles to enrich, reward, and gamify your relationship with them. Does anybody, is it, does every, uh, anybody here play Wordle? 
Are you familiar with it? Yeah. <clears throat> right? Bought by the New York Times. Do you know why the New York Times bought Wordle? I do not. What's that? I do not. No. Uh, they bought Wordle because the New York Times has a strategic goal of 10 million subscribers. So yes. they viewed gaming and engagement as a means of helping them get to 10 million subscribers. So they, you know, very soon companies like, you know, creative way to increase engagement, novel way to build community, certainly a great way to build a direct relationship with customers, even when you're a big brand, because many big brands don't know that we use them today. Um, and it becomes also potentially opens doors for brands to possibly co uh, collaborate with and, uh, with complementary brands. Here are brand names, logos that you recognize that are either doing NFTs, um, Nike, right? In their first year, did $185 million of um, digital NFT sales. They're launching Dot Swish in 2023, which is um, going to give users a chance to uh, buy virtual apparel for use with avatars and games to include some rights, right? So it's not now just a token. It does include some additional rights, however you choose to define them. So in their case, it's going to be physical apparel, chats with pro athletes. I would suspect at some point their NFTs will be, you know, they'll if it, they're not already, you know, being linked to physical products. Reddit. Uh, they had a 1.7 billion visitors in May of last year. And at the end of last year, they launched a limited edition collectible avatars to a community that I believe had been um, previously kind of anti-NFT. They initially offered it to their heaviest users. Five million own the right to now display and resell the avatars that they were giving. And they're doing this, right? Many, well, I'm gonna save what I was gonna say for the this one, the end of this one. Starbucks customer loyalty program is 60 million people worldwide. In the US, it's the second largest non-financial transactional app behind Apple Pay. Um, it's been a reward program that has been obviously wildly successful. You purchase, you earn stars for free goods, and now they are transitioning into what will be what they're calling Starbucks Odyssey, which is composed of journeys that include games, learning, some of the same purchasing um, rewards. And as you go on journeys uh, within this Odyssey, you're rewarded for collecting, earning, and redemption. Um, and on the roadmap is all the also the ability to obviously connect directly more with their community, Starbucks, but also then amongst communities. So I just think the potentials of all of this become so interesting, so expansive, I think, relative to Starbucks, I thought, gosh, what would happen if they unleashed the creative artistic talents of their baristas or potentially their customers?
what if what if a barista who none of us knew had this artistic ability and she now has a chance to contribute to odyssey who knows um but what i do know and i think what goes back to the title of this which was you'll be nft whether you know it or not sooner or later sooner rather than later is the fact that um all of these programs today are built on a crypto uh, uh, technology and are being used to, with customers that don't necessarily have a crypto wallet, right? So it is much more ubiquitous. They're not doing what Toaster, Toaster Boys and I have had to do to go out and buy an NFT. So it is a much more seamless Oh, and now we're going to close on predictions. Prediction number one, uh, I will, and this is just a thank you for indulging a personal goal. I've got 1,082 days times three girls of haikus that I want to get on chain. And the reason I ever started this was I wanted them to learn about the brain, something that they actually don't do in their place of learning. I wanted to kind of have them practice a rigor around, you know, producing an art for themselves includes also a growth mindset, some learning science that they actually don't learn in schools as well, with the vision and the idea that besides a creative expression that is rooted in habit, is that at some point I would take what they had created created and rendered, render it in a way that would have them experience themselves in an alternative real or additional dimension. So I need to figure out a way to do that in one year. Within three years, I think a musical act issues a catalog as an NFT. Bob Dylan has sold catalog for 500 million. You see these artists that sell their catalog as a one-time cash event to Wall Street. Um, and I think we are very near the day where somebody, and there's a, in a local band in Seattle that would be a perfect fit to issue their music catalog as an NFT. And, um, not only reward their community, but create a, uh, a you know a, a revenue stream in perpetuity rather than a one-time cash event. Within five years, um, I think a professional team or league will be issued as NFTs, um, and that's a in real world professional team or a league. And it will happen within a domicile that obviously joined, like we were talking about the regulatory framework that exists, that supports it. Um, and that team or league will attract wild, you know, worldwide uh, fandom and join outside success because of the fact that they've got a community of owners that are cross border in a way that they could never have previously reached. So those are some of my, I think, my strong convictions over the next five years of creative things that might happen. All right. Responses, questions, comments. Some of your things are already happening, right, Pete? So there's already a soccer team. I'll say soccer, even though, you know, I don't think it is soccer. <clears throat> A football team that is being bought out by NFT collection. So 
they, I don't know, I can't remember what it was, we're, we, yeah, we're all going to make it United. So these things are moving along and they are happening. Um, yeah, I think it's nice to see perspectives in your journey for, my, for, for me. Um, yeah, I come from a similar place to you, I imagine. Once you fall down that hole, you, uh, you land there, right? Yeah. I think the one thing about that Wagme soccer team is, is it doesn't actually offer, I believe, uh, ownership rights. Um, okay. Right where so that it, it yeah. certainly includes some interesting utility, but it's not actual ownership of the club. And I think that's where we will go. Uh, you know, kind of operational profit loss, notwithstanding. Yeah. There's going to be an opportunity to actually own rather than have something that is. Um, Kind of a rehypothecation of ownership, but yeah, you're right. It's we're moving in the direction. Yeah, it's just a couple. Of course, a couple of Maxis taking over the call. Yeah, of course. Sorry. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is, um, I think I'm unmuted. Yeah. Um, I think there's a couple other important things that I think. I don't know. To me, I think the art, the art stuff is interesting, mostly because there was that. Um, you know, that financial bubble that really created that demand for that type of, um, you know, product. Um, but now obviously that, you know, markets have crashed a little bit, demand is down the, you know, the prices have gone down significantly. And that's why people consider NFTs dead because they're only looking at the art projects. Um, and so, you know, I think what's way more interesting, at least to me, are the utility type projects. So like, um, to, you know, to Mahmoud, I had mentioned in the, the small bets discord, um, you know, Daniel running his community access to his community with NFTs, you know, the, the very simple thing that you can do is, uh, you know, what Daniel could do is he could, he could, um, you know, issue out, you know, 5,000 NFT tokens that if you own one of those NFT tokens, then you can have access to his community. And what that does too is it creates scarcity where if all 5,000 of those tokens are purchased, then um, then if somebody else wants access to that community, then they're going to have to pay whatever price that somebody wants to sell their access for the community. So it creates a market where the pricing is based on how bad people actually want it. And the pricing is based on you know what the people that are already on the inside determine what the value of that course or that community is, um, and so it it, it makes uh, it, it what's cool about it is it leaves the pricing up to the market, and so rather than Daniel saying okay access to this community is two hundred dollars, if all those tokens are are sold out and somebody wants to list their token for a thousand dollars because they don't you know they don't want to be in the community or anything like that, then that next person is going to have to pay that to be able to get in. Um, so I think those, um, the cons looking at NFTs as um, a digital asset for access, I think is really interesting um, because now, so like if I wanted to join a community with an NFT as a token, um, if I didn't want to be a part of that community anymore, I can sell that NFT and I can recuperate the, you know, the, whatever I paid to get into it. Um, and so now it's like this interesting thing where, um, you know, you don't, you don't, you're not just like losing your money as soon as you pay for digital access to things, you know, you're, you're basically purchasing an asset that, you know, could go up in value, could go down in value. You don't actually know. 
Um, you know, but then, um, yeah, he said you would have the market drop. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it could go to zero, right? Like if the, if the community is worthless, then your NFT is worthless. And then that's what the market determined. Right. And so it's not always that, you know, NFTs are this money thing and like, oh, you invest in NFTs, you know, it's not anything like that. Um, but I think the utility part is interesting. Um, just because I feel like, um, the authentication part when you have like your wallet, so you use your wallet as your authentication for different things. I think that's somewhat a much better way of, you know, uh, authenticating on the web versus like email password and stuff like that. And so if you have a wallet, you have NFTs in your wallet, it gives you digital access to the different communities and things that you want. Um, and then if you don't want those things anymore, then you sell access to it. And then somebody else that wants access to it can have it, but then you're able to, you know, have an investment. And just like you, you said, you you mentioned your music collection, like you, you owned those things, right. And technically, you know, you could have, you know, done different things. You could have sold access to those things. Like if you had CDs and stuff like that, right. Like you own those things. Um, and so that, I think, yeah, I think that part's kind of interesting. I think, and by the way, listening to you talk, and then when you extrapolate it out, and then you look at a lifetime or even any period of a life where you can reflect and have a rendering of like, hey, what groups did I participate in? What what was I doing, right? It starts to tell the story of where you directed your attention and, and your life, I think, which I think becomes really interesting as it relates to then future generations. Like, hey, what did dad or uncle do? Like, oh. Let's take a look. Yeah. Uh, DCAF quest mentioned asked in the chat, he said upon reselling would, would you would still get a cut? Yeah. So you would actually get the vast majority of the selling price of the, the token. Um, and the value would, like I said, it would be determined by whatever the value of that token is. It's not, uh, if, if there's no listed tokens, then technically you can set the value and you can sell it for that. I mean, you can I, set the value anyways. I meant the, the, uh, original, uh, person who issued the oh token. so yeah so, so so the way would Daniel, Daniel would do for it, example still get yeah. the cut upon uh, so there's two there's two ways you can do it um yeah there's two ways you could do it Daniel could either have uh, a token issued and then there would be a mint price so you would mint the NFT at a certain price and usually that mint price is pretty low so the way he would probably do it now is he would actually mint for free to people that already have access to the community and he say like here's your here's your token I'm giving it to you you have access to the community already. Um, and then you could say like, yeah, there's like a thousand more or whatever on top of that, that are on this market now. And so if anybody wants to sign up for the community, they actually just have to buy this token and then, um, and then they can get access. But so yeah, there's two ways you can do it. Either Daniel could get all the money from that initial mint. And then after that, he can set up a royalty program where like if somebody sells their access, then he could get like 5% of that transaction or something like that. The other way you can do it is you can create a DAO um, and it's a, it's a decentralized anonymous organization where instead of all of that purchase money going to an individual, all of that purchase money just goes into a wallet that is managed and operated by anybody that owns, uh, that NFT. And so you can create a group of people that own this NFT, and then they can vote on what to do with that pool of money. And so one of the interesting projects is the noun DAOs project where anybody that has purchased a noun DAOs NFT uh, 
can present a uh, a way of using those funds. So like uh, some of the common ones have been like, you know, donating to this charity or something like that. And then everybody in the group that has that NFT can vote on, you know, whether or not they want to do that with that money. Um, so it's a really interesting thing because it's a, it's, it's a cool way to be able to like collectively put money into a place and then everybody that has access and owns that NFT can then use that money to do, you know, things that the project is. So there's been very specific initiatives where it's like, oh, okay, there's like a, you know, tree planting DAO and like everybody that owns this tree planting NFT gets to vote on where we're going to plant trees, how many trees we plant, you know, type of thing. So it's kind of interesting. And then Jordan, going back to something. Oh, keep going. I was just going to talk about ownership of digital assets in the gaming world as well. And yeah. realistically, the value of that, when I think about how much money people I know spend on skins and and they have no opportunity to, to adequately own that. I think part of the whole creation of Ethereum came about as a result of World of Warcraft devaluing or removing a war axe for the, the Vitalik had. So I think that that's just a a useful thing to think about in our digital future and you know like my kids laugh at me for buying silly digital pictures and then they ask for money to go and buy Fortnite skins and i laugh at them going you can't sell that mate <laughs> um, i think no yeah. we we um we live in the current state is just it's so extractive jordan you hit on an interesting point right like you pay for something once you were when you bought it, the access to it, it was like, hey, limited time only. There's only 10 spots left. None of that was ever proven. And now right. you can live in a world where it's like, hey, there are only 10 left. The floor is rising. Um, I can participate for a while. And then when I choose to not participate, I can resell and recoup um, while also still rewarding the original creator. I mean. It's a it's an additive rather than an extractive. The one other uh, thing that I'd say is kind of to your point on that NFTs, you know, have gone down or the price, you know, as you know from being around the space, it's like zoom out. Bitcoin in its first ten years had greater volatility over the same period of time and better performance than Amazon. Right. And Bitcoin is today, if I was at 37, 40% of its high, you know, it's not, God bless you for timing well, but I'm like, I'm in for, I'm in for the long haul. If I could time everything, I don't think I'd be on this call. No offense, Mahmoud. Um, I'm just, I'm in and I'm here uh, and I'll be here. So yeah, I do but think this is the point on art is art's going to come back. It, we're just getting warmed up and these guys the guys and gals are setting the patterns and the practices that will be mimicked by biggest corporations in the world sorry Mike. no 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 but this is like this is interesting because now what i'm thinking is that maybe uh we are talking about two different things here one nfts as an investment and two nfts as a tool in order to ensure that creators companies of any sort from all walks of life can get their copyrights kind of can get what they deserve instead of having people just you know that as some sort of fighting piracy or just you know uh uh 
proving ownership of some sort. So it, and these two things I think might be uh, related, but different because if you're, and this is, this is where I would agree with people like Nassim, right? Like if you're jumping into or onto the NFT and Bitcoin boat, just because you think it's a store of value as such, or because it's an investment, then I'm not so sure about whether it would be a good idea because it's very volatile, as you said. And even if you're in it uh, for the long run, it 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 might not be adequate because if people think that the value is zero, just like uh, Jordan said, uh, if, uh, if Daniel tokenized his uh, community access and then at one point the market thinks that it's valueless, then it's basically the price drops down to zero and you will not be able to sell your uh, share or uh, your access, your spot. So this is, as an investment, I see where the issue is if you're in it for the investment. But I'm kind of now thinking about NFTs as some sort of, you know, demonstrate proof of provenance, uh, guaranteeing, uh, ownership, money, income for for creators decentralized in a way, and everything is just there on on the blockchain. This kind of makes sense. Like I don't know, what do you think? What do you guys think about this? Uh, the investment versus, uh, like it's it's just a a tool in order to ensure you know uh, trustworthy business of some sort without you having to depend on you know your agent and and whatever and then versus the investment bit like what what do you think about this yeah i think i think you're 100% right i think when when people say that nfts are dead they are looking at it from the investment perspective it's like oh you can't just like buy something now and then 5 days later it's worth 100x what you paid for it you know like that that's happening less and less and you're 100% right. That is only based on market demand. It's only based on you know the scarcity aspect of it. Um, and then, yeah, I think you're 100% right where there is that entirely, totally separate camp where it's like, no, there's actually a lot of utility in this. Um, and you can use this as a way to uh, turn your digital assets into an actual asset that you own, that you can buy and sell and other people can own and things like that. So yeah, I think you're 100% right. I think a lot of the hype from the past couple of years has been the investment opportunity. Um, but then the people that are actually understanding of the technology that's under the hood know that, oh, actually, no, this is actually a better way of di managing digital access to things. Um, and so, yeah, that's definitely the, the, the key to uh, understanding NFTs. And and this kind of, I think, like if you look at it, and I don't know if, if this is kind of how you guys would describe it, but on the one hand, it does favor the creator economy. Like if you're using it as an access, just like some sort of structural uh, tool that would guarantee all that. And versus rent-seeking economies, whereby you're just speculating in order to make money uh, in the easiest way possible. So if if... If on the one hand, NFTs are just one way in order to ensure that artists, like you're you're basically promoting all sorts of creation, even if it's subscription to, uh, by way of subscription to a company or something, this, is, this probably is interesting because you're creating, you're trying to come up with new things, you're offering value of some sort, like in the case of Daniel, right? 
uh, a community that tries to create value versus those who are just sitting on the side trying to right. make money. I don't know. Is this kind yep. of like, yeah, is is this kind of the... Uh, how yeah, I mean, I think the if panorama if a, is, you know, if there's a if there's a community that has zero value, then the market value of that token should be zero, you know. And and you've seen that we've seen that in the past. There's plenty of F NFT projects right now where at one point the value was very high and it was very restrictive to get in. And then over time, the you know the people that are involved in the project don't do anything with it and it sits idle. And they stop posting on Twitter and stuff like that, and the value goes down. And that's that's a hundred percent the way it should be. That's the way it should be because, like, you shouldn't have this just thing that exists on the internet. It's like, oh, it's always a thousand dollars. That's no matter what. You know, ten years from now, it's still a thousand dollars. You know, I think that's that's a hundred percent the way it should be. And so you're right. Communities that actually continually provide value would keep the value of the NFT high. Whereas it makes that NFT more, you know, useful in the in the long run. Um, the I guess the one thing for me that I I personally don't really see the value of is um, putting digital media on NFTs. So like a lot of the talk was about like, of course, like the pictures, the art on NFTs, uh, music on NFTs, videos on NFTs, stuff like that, because um, there's no there's no uh, hardware infrastructure that um allows for only copyrighted media to be played from an original source um whereas like with now if you use like an apple tv or something like that like there's a centralized unit that determines whether or not you actually purchase this from the apple store and then you can play the media from it and so to be able to actually protect somebody's actual digital assets from being just pirated and then played on anything um, I find that interesting. I don't, I'm not, I think some more infrastructure needs to be built out to do that. Cause like technically, right. If somebody had the NFT, right. They bought this piece of music, you know, you could just, you know, record the audio that's being played and then you just upload it to, you know, Apple music or whatever. And then anybody else can listen to it. So it's like, um, the actual value. You. Yeah. 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 But I just, I think that the actual value of the digital media, I think, I think launching a project as an NFT is interesting because it allows the community to get, you know, access to the creator. And I think that's interesting, but specifically like owning a song with an NFT is weird to me because it's played via audio and it's not only trapped in a digital asset. It can be translated to analog in a way. So if I owned an NFT, uh, well, I do own an NFT. And if, uh, I'll give you the right. I'll give you the verbal rights to play it wherever you want, and just share it with as many people as you want, and to try to get it to go as viral as it can. Because no matter where it goes and where it travels and who sees it on what device, there's one owner of it. It was mine, and I gave it to you. I, I let you. I gave you verbal permission permission to go out and share it. So kind of coming back to your the, the point that you were making, I'm like, I want something that ideally I own, that I value, that I enjoy to go as viral as possible. And that there might be confusion as to who owns it will ultimately be proven by who has the token. And if I've got the token, I'm glad and thank you for sharing it. Yeah, I think that makes sense in the in the in the sense of a like a CC0 project, right? Where like you want the brand to get out 
so that people build value in the brand so that the brand becomes more valuable and then they're able to do different things based on that. But as far as a specific owner, like, like if it's not like, if you didn't actually make the song, you're not like the, the singer songwriter, um, then like, it doesn't really, it doesn't really increase the value necessarily of the token, especially if you can play the media from some other source. So I don't know. I, I just find it. Yeah. I just find it okay. a little. What's, yeah. worth more, what's worth more, the original Mona Lisa or all the copies of the Mona Lisa? That's, that's what I was, exactly what I was going to say, Pete. Yeah. I was say, who I was well, I mean, Lisa. I think if you get down to technically, it's it's worth as much as the paint that was put on it, right? Like that's the technical value of the Mona Lisa. Yeah. But because there's status around it. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Mona Lisa is a physical asset, right? So it's in the analog world. It's not a digital asset. And so um, I think, so this gets to like the digital asset, the digital aspect of it, it, the actual original media can be distributed exactly. Whereas the Mona Lisa can't be re redistributed exactly as it is as another physical, as another physical entity. So I think it gets a little, I think it gets a little fuzzy. Um, I, I'm a hundred percent on board. I think, you know, digital art is cool. I think ownership of digital art is cool. But I do think there is a little bit of a hype cycle around it as far as um, that being, you know, the sole means of like the future of, you know, art and ownership of art and stuff like that. I think it's interesting. No, and I, yeah, whether we agree or disagree on the final point, I mean, I, I only used it today as just, like I said, because of the fact that visual artists are kind of leading the charge and have been native within the medium for a period of time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree 100% that it's very interesting. Uh, but for me, as somebody who's not an artist, I just I, I think it's it's uh, I think it's more interesting than it is actually uh, um, like useful and uh, um, I don't know. It's it's very interesting, and I, I'm somebody that doesn't really understand the art market. So um, yeah, I just, it just it's interesting to me. Uh, but my question to you to you, Jordan, would be what would uh, be a use case for you? Like how would NFT be in, be a fuse to you besides the investment and stuff like that? Yeah. So I, I think like, like I said, it's that digital access, right? And so you, to me, it's not digital access to a, a static, um, like, like not like digital access to like a PDF or something. I don't really consider that to be that useful, right? Because like once somebody has the PDF, then the PDF can be redistributed and the value of that thing is, you know, it's nothing. But I do think like a call like this, right? Like we're all here live right now and technically nobody else can get in unless they join the call, right? And so like if you had a call that was restricted by you having ownership of some sort of NFT, then there's value in and, and that call is valuable to people then there's value in owning that token and um so that to me that kind of like live access and live community i think is a really useful way of using um nfts to restrict access to things that have value and to create a market around um digital access guess, but then i, I think well yeah. i was going to say once 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 it uh, once it's been recorded and then distributed, then, you know, if you minted this video as an NFT, like it doesn't really, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't really have any value because it's just a video. You know, I, but I, we, I go back, I guess 
I go back to the cast Sonard example, right? It had already been shared. Everybody already, it had been right click saved. It was all over the world. She had no licensing. She had no control over it. Came back with provenance. Oh, yeah. Producer yeah. and produced it. And it was issued as an NFT. So now there is one proven in code original. So I. Yeah, I, I don't did. disagree that 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 happened. Um, and I, and I don't disagree that it can't happen again. I do think a lot of the market value of things and things like that is hundred percent driven by just status and interest and demand and hype and stuff like that. Like, I mean, technically the actual technical value of that image is zero. It's a digital image. I'm sure that like big artists can sell their music collection for lots of money as an NFT, but probably starting artists, perhaps not so, uh, not so much. Yeah, if you still have points on this part, I still have to go back a little bit over to decentralized versus decentralized, never mind. Because... Uh... The, the, music is digitally nothing, right? Music is... is but that, does music have value in financial? Because then it's the same. Then you can't discount art for being digital as a two D or three D image. But then, what is music? Music is even less than that, right? Music is vibrations in the air that are transmuted by different technical devices. But I think you you wouldn't demean like you wouldn't diminish that as being of as of financial value to people, and people have always bought records or since the record industry began you know it's like i i understand your i think I, i'd sort of understand your problem with the digitization and the availability of it but it, again yeah. it's, it's a deep integral part of humanity that almost desires ownership of things and even if you own it and someone else owns it like that's yeah. cool right yeah well so like it but you know of course like back in the day right when 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 you're producing music on you know vinyl records or CDs or something like that, right? Like if they stop producing it and there's no other way to digitally stream it, then yeah, like the value is going to go up, right? Um, but once it is digitized, then you know, then the value does go significantly to zero. Um, so so here's my here's my my caveat. I do think the physical access to a band of a physical performance is hugely valuable, right? And so. Like if I, if you could only go to a concert because you own an NFT token, to me, that's a huge value, right? Like that's, that's a reason to buy a token and get access to this band or this community around this band, but specifically like owning a song to me, I don't know, to me, that just seems weird. And I think, yeah, right. Um, yeah, I think there, there yeah. are a lot of interesting apps like where you define the rights, right? That's kind of before anybody joined us, Talon Mahmoud, he could have a stone bridge, a brick bridge, and a wooden bridge, and each would come with different rights as his NFT. But Mahmoud says that's the thing. How is this different than buying tickets? So you're right, um, but it's uh, it, I mean, it basically is exactly like buying tickets. Um, but uh, the the NFT ecosystem builds community around that, I think. And and you can unlock a lot of other digital type things 
than just physical access to a community. So, you know, you could join a discord, you could, you know, join a bunch of different things. And rather than it being like based on your email or something like that, you can be totally anonymous. You can just have a wallet. That wallet has access to this thing. And so it allows you to maintain a little bit of that anonymity um, if you wanted that. Um, rather than like, oh, like, you know, this person bought a ticket and, you know, it was this much. Um, and yeah, but I mean, even tickets are like kind of the same thing, right? Like a ticket's only valuable until the event happens, right? Um, and then after the event happens, that ticket's completely worthless. Um, so well, I do I, think that- I have, I, have, I have a whole ticket, I think. Well, for okay. That I for nostalgia, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it, right? And then yeah. that applies again. It, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's- that's the thing too. I mean, like if you consider NFTs, well, so like if you consider the art projects more like almost like a baseball card type thing, right. Yeah. Or like the, like, like technically the value of a baseball card is zero, right. Like it's a piece of cardboard. Um, but then there is some amount of like that scarcity element, the physical scarcity element, um, that is interesting. So like, yeah, like, yeah, technically the physical ticket is scarce. There was only so many tickets produced. So the, the nostalgia and the scarcity of it, gives a little value to it so yeah i think the only yeah. way i think the, i think the only way this scarcity is proven is it's proven in code because even going back to your record example like when you're back producing records well i'm going to go produce the same record i'm going to create counterfeits just like it's done today with any form of a luxury item and yep. you never know what's what yep so. yep yeah 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 i'm not I, i'm not discounting any i just find it interesting uh and and albert uh, was asking you to go back to the decentralized centralized slide or something uh, oh sorry oh well the, the slide the slide is fine the slide doesn't really matter it's more that you were also talking about like how big companies might incorporate it and the nft should be more something technical in the background of things that leads me to wonder uh or then that basically the question possibilities for Technique incorporation of this technique and techniques by bigger companies. Uh, and then I would say that there is actually more possibilities for central centralization as well. I mean, I see the possibilities for decentralization, creator economy and everything, and people kind of can more easily do the transactions and all that kind of things, no need for intermediaries. But it is a technique that will probably also be adopted by uh by bigger bigger companies and perhaps even uh, governments if they find a way to to do it and uh, so so I think that it doesn't really pull in any one direction uh, in terms of the possibilities that it currently seems to have and I also have to think a little bit about a uh, uh, the previous market talk or the one before that from Costas who was talking about innovation in consumer products and he was also talking a lot about how, big, how a lot of innovation actually comes from big companies, not necessarily uh, only smaller companies or, or startups. So I actually, do you see a role for uh, oh, big companies using using this this technology and using it to, uh, so, so that it has like an anti-decentralizing force as well? I'm sorry. The I couldn't. I, I'm having a harder time hearing your audio for some reason. The mm -hmm. the the, um, the question was, Mahmoud, did you hear it? Is this better? Yeah, try it. Better. Yeah. 
No, basically it's just like, uh, of course, you started with the decentralization centralization question, right? So there's a lot of opportunities for decentralization uh, using this technology. But as you said, this can also become a technology that's more on the background, that's incorporated in, the, in, the, in like the back end of things. Uh, so in that sense, there would also be a lot of opportunity for bigger companies to adopt this technology to uh, to improve their products. And that's not exactly a decentralizing direction, right? Right. They're using decentralized protocol, right? So in the case of Starbucks, what their uh, Starbucks Odyssey is built in a, um, I don't want to get too technical here, but it's, it's a cryptocurrency called Polygon. And Polygon helps basically, it's built on a theory, you know, it, it attaches to Ethereum, helps speed, efficiency, cost of development. So they're building with a, with a decentralized software, but I would expect that for the initial go and who knows what their future holds is that it would be a form of a centralized Starbucks experience, right? Uh, whether I could come in mm -hmm. as an NFT that I, you know, in the future that I own, can I come in? I don't know. So if I understand your question correctly, they're using decentralized software to build it. How they govern and structure, I, I would suspect, right, they will go about it fairly, fairly judiciously and it would be more centralized. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the, the the software is inherently decentralized, but that does not mean that its users are uh, aimed at decentralization. Right. Although, right, when you consider that there, I mean, well within the realm of possibility. Well, it'll happen, right? Because I have earned a certain level of um, of status at Starbucks. I do believe in the very near future that will earn me some form of rights at a different company. And I can prove that I have those rights at Starbucks. So now Delta airlines wants to reward me with, or incent me to fly Delta with some type of privilege status rights to get us off of Alaska in Seattle. I use that as an example. That makes sense. Yes, I, I, think, I think there's another example there, Pete. I've heard a lot when the discussion about Starbucks comes up is that Dunkin' Donuts can just check who's got a Starbucks NFT and be like, come here. Well, we'll give you all discount. We'll we'll just we'll take you all and give you free donuts. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, why not? Yeah. So, so that that almost yeah, I don't I don't know. I suppose that part of that identity is decentralized them because once it is on the blockchain and I appreciate any of the actions that would be undertaken by the the instigators of that project it, it, they can't stop anyone else doing anything right so uh, yeah right they might say you just do this and you do that but anyone else can see that because that's the other beautiful nature of this entire thing is that we are all apparent and pseudo anonymous where we want to be isn't it so yeah, just you might wake up one morning, you got an NFT from Dunkin' Donuts saying, come and get your free donut and don't worry about Starbucks today. And that's, 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 that's almost decentralized, decentralized in some way, I suppose. I don't know. There you go. Just, uh, that's my thoughts. Albert, did that kind of cool. talk? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was not entirely sure. It's like decentralized, centralized directly, but it's a very interesting application to <laughs> like 
so in some sense in for some actors uh, or at least some some outcomes of such transparency may actually be bad for certain economic uh, actors or it may intensify the the competition game actually yeah i can't yeah. you know I'm not, I'm not crazy about the uh, you know the those striving for 100% anonymity in this space um and i yet i do have faith and confidence and belief that governments will find you know can track you if you are doing nefarious things so um yeah i i believe our future is certainly going to be a hybrid of this wasn't while i'm a maxion kind of decentralized participating in the crypto art experience uh, i i also have a high conviction and belief that our future is a healthy mix of decentralized centralized um, and I do think it brings out, Mahmoud, you hit on it, which is kind of in Jordan too, the, right? The worst of people, which is our human nature, uh, which is like, how do I get five times out of this in two days? Well, nothing happens like that. I mean, it just doesn't happen so that you're a degen and that's what you expect and want. Like you got to go over that. You, know, you have to go over the long haul and you're investing in uh, not only a token, which you hope will go to the moon, but you're investing in an internet protocol that is decentralized. You're investing in a transportation layer that moves money at the speed of light, or, or speed of light, but you know, across the world at a fraction of the cost that Western Union does, a lot less extractive. To me, it's so multifaceted uh, that it's kind of one of the reasons I get so excited about it is most of my career technology has been about efficiency. Like how do we do you know, more with less and get better and faster and throughput. And now we're in this period where it is what I consider a digital renaissance for the short period of time that it's been around, where they're the creative use of technology is only limited by our ability to imagine. All right. Any other thoughts? Uh, yeah, this is this is basically what I just wrote in the chat. It's uh, my conclusion from this is that given that this is a new field, even though it might have been around for like 20 years or 10, 15 years, Bitcoin, NFTs now, recently, uh, the technology is new. And uh, instead of quickly and... Uh, jumping to conclusions about whether do dogmatically kind of about whether it's good or bad, it's dead or not. I think instead we should just explore the pros and cons and see in what ways it can benefit us. And without having these discussions, I don't like, of course, we are just a group of people hanging uh you know uh virtually hanging out and trying to figure this out because we're all trying to understand this a little bit better but of course in terms of businesses and those uh all the agents and people more directly involved eventually yeah like maybe maybe we're thinking now in terms of access and ownership and rights and who knows five ten years from now it might have a completely different uh purpose right so yeah, my point is as per usual, like instead of just like, why do I have to make a uh, or or to formulate a, a 
categorical opinion about these things. So, uh, like, uh, and as as you said, uh, Peter, right? Like, uh, yeah, you might be a maxi in terms of uh, going all in on on NFTs and the technology and stuff like that, but then you're not trying to like it's you kind of took a step back and uh, you understand that things might change over time. So yeah, this is this is kind of my conclusion. It's it's just something that we're still learning and we still have a lot to learn about. Yeah. It's yeah, and I think I think that's really the value of, you know, a lot of the art projects and things like that is because it does push the technology to the limits and it explores what's actually possible. And it's not always what the norm is. Like you get these crazy projects where like something crazy happens and, you know, but to, to expect that to always happen, I don't think is, I don't think that's definitely the way you should approach it. But, but I do think trying things out, trying this, Hey, I'm going to take this photo and throw it on the blockchain and see what happens. Like that's what pushes it to the, to the limit and just to see how people respond and how people want to use it and stuff like that. Yeah. It's really interesting. Uh, Yeah. Uh, and uh, this this was actually a, a really interesting uh, talk, Peter, and an interesting discussion as well. So thank you, everyone, for joining. Uh, Jordan and Toaster Boys as well, thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly have a lot to think about because this is this is interesting. Like that's that's all I can say for now. I, I see why it is uh, up to a certain point important or might be eventually important but yeah thank potential. you it, ha it, it has potential it has potential exactly it has potential so are are nfts dead well maybe uh in one form but then in another form they might not be dead uh schrodinger's nfts so yeah thank you everyone very much thank you again peter for doing this and uh hope you learned a thing or two and found this helpful.